my favorite people. How are we? How are we? I um, want to confess something to you. When our team was figuring out if we were going to have services on uh, New Year's Day, I, I hadn't yet received an invite to anybody's party. So I said, yes, we're having church. Because <laughs> there's no one else I'd rather spend the first day of the year with than people who follow Jesus right here in our community together and love each other and are growing together and are working together and are contributing their, their, their resources together. It's just an incredible thing. I'm really pumped. God's just really been so faithful to us uh, today. Hey, we're going to kick off a brand new series. I'll get into that. What I'm going to do today is kind of preach backwards. I'm going to pre- preach from the, be- from the end to the beginning so that we can... Um, end with the beginning. Uh, as I think about a new year, you know, a new you, uh, what a beginning means for us as a church family, I want to bring us to a parallel new beginning found in Jesus's life. It's a parallel new beginning, uh, paradoxically not at the beginning of Jesus's life. That was eight days ago. It was awesome, wasn't it? It was just so great. I, no, seriously, wasn't it a great just time for us to be together as a church family, silent night, the whole deal? Like, I just love that. Um, no, I'm not going to take us to the beginning of Jesus' life. I'm going to take us to the beginning of Jesus' life after death. And um, here, here's where it is. Join me, John chapter 20. Here's where I want to focus our attention today. Um, this Sunday, the first Sunday of 2023, just... Um, these, these words echo in my heart. I want to bring them to you. I hope, I hope it helps you. Um, on the evening of that first day of the week. Okay, do you, see, do you see it? Do I need to be a little bit more obvious? Evening of the first day. Everybody say first day. First day. Talking about first days today. The evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I'm resisting the urge right now to remind you of all the ways that I preached about peace on um, Christmas Eve. After this, he showed them his hands inside, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. There's, there's a, a bunch of firsts that I want to highlight for us today. The first day of the week is the first one. Um, what is the first day of the week? Sunday. Yeah, it's not a trick question. Sunday. Some of us think it's Monday. Some of us think it's Friday. Some of us think it's another day. Uh, Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week. This, what I've just read to you, is Easter Sunday. Christmas is always December 25th, but Easter is always a Sunday. I know that throws us off every year. We're trying to plan things. We don't know the date of Easter, but it's the first day of the week when Jesus rose from the dead. John chapter 20, verse 1. Uh, John says it this way, uh, begins the whole resurrection account. I just gave you like two sections into it. Here's how he starts the resurrection day. Early on, say it with me, everybody. First day of the week. It's just interesting that he points that out, that it was the first day of the week while it was still dark. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. He calls it the first day of the week. And I got really interested in this, just thinking about the first day of this year and the first day of the week of the new year for us. And started looking into every other gospel account of Jesus' life. Uses the same phrase, the first day of the week. The first day. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all have slightly different details about how Jesus came back from the dead or how the order of people seeing him or what was going on. But every single one of them uses this phrase, the first day of the week. It's like the dawning of a new era. 
Back in the room, if I go back to verse uh, 19, back in the room where the disciples are huddled, we have the first appearance of Jesus to a group of people. There's at least 10 of them here. There's probably a much larger group of men and women gathered in the room where the Last Supper was served just a few days prior. But, but this is the first time that Jesus, in mass, shows himself resurrected. Now, I want you to put yourself in this room. You're a follower of Jesus. You, the world has totally been changed. You're afraid for your life because the body of Jesus is missing. There's people out there who are spreading rumors about you. You're on a wanted list. You're trying to make sense. You're trying to make heads or tails of what's going on. Some people say they've seen Jesus. You haven't seen him yet. They didn't know it yet, but it was the beginning of a brand new rhythm of life that was about to take place for them, a brand new priority that was about to kick off. This day would be the first day of the first week of the first month of a new world. They were processing the wild possibility of resurrection and the wild improbability of all of it. Mary said she saw him. The two disciples were walking with him today. They saw it. What does it mean if he's alive? And if so, what is he doing? Where is Jesus? Why isn't he here? While they are together, all of a sudden, Jesus appears. I'm not going to get into all that. It's fascinating to think about what it means that you know, John tells us the door is locked. But he shows up. And what does he say? He says, peace be with you. This is an echo of what Jesus had said to them just a couple days earlier. We find it in John chapter 14. He says, uh, when he's telling them, like, I'm about to go give my life for the, the redemption of the world, but I don't want you guys to be freaked out. I want you to know everything going on. This is what I love about Jesus. He telegraphed every single play. It would be like as if, you know, we're not, we're not taking the Broncos very seriously today, though we should. But if, like, we, if Andy Crouch just gave the playbook to the Broncos of, like, we're going to take these plays in this order, good luck. This is what Jesus did. He's like, listen, everybody, I'm going to do everything this way. And as a part of it, here's what he said. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give it to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. And Jesus dies. He's brought back to life. It's the first day of the week. And what happens? They're freaked out. Right? They're terrified. Jesus comes back and he says, in the room with them, he just goes, peace, guys. It's about the peace. I want you to have peace, not anxiety. The new beginning of the resurrection hasn't yet dawned upon them, but Jesus brings it to them. Um, there's an interesting detail in this story. Jesus comes and he stands among them. I think that's a small detail, but it's really important because, you know, we've all seen Weekend at Bernie's. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus is standing on his own accord. He's not just propped up. He's not just, you know, being a... He, he, he's, he's got agency. He's got activity. He's got his own solidity to his life. The, he, he, he was dead. They all saw it, And now here he is really, truly alive. And he stands among his disciples. And look at the response that Jesus records. Verse 20. Is, I think this is so sweet. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I don't know if you've had a moment like this in your life where you finally saw who Jesus was. You, 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 you had your preconceptions about him. You thought you knew who he was. He was a good teacher. He was this like religious leader. He made everybody really strict. And then finally the light bulb went on for you like, like oh my gosh, he's the savior of the world. He loves me. 
and you saw Jesus for who he is, and you too were overjoyed. There is this sweet, sweet joy that comes when we remember the resurrection of Jesus. Verse uh, 21 says this way. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. He says it twice. I don't know why he says it twice, but he says it twice. The Father has sent me. I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I, I um, want to talk about these words for a moment. They're really special and mysterious, and we won't, I don't have time to unpack them to any full extent this morning, but suffice it to say that this, Jesus has imparted to, to his followers his presence, his purpose, and his power. We think about the first day of the week, what it was when Jesus came to the gathering of his followers. He gave to them his presence, his purpose, and his power. The dawn of the new day, Jesus commissions the disciples to go as he has gone, as he was sent by the Father, actually, to exert the power that Jesus had exerted. Their purpose is to mirror the purpose and the ministry of Jesus. They would teach the word of God. They would heal the sick and the lame. They, they would be the ones who were fighting for those who had no rights in the world. They would show Jesus to the world, and the certification of this power was the Holy Spirit. Just in case there's any confusion how far they were able to take this power, Jesus tells them, and he says um, that, that they have the ministry of forgiveness. Paul in, in Colossians tells, them, tells us that this is called a ministry of reconciliation. If ever in the New Testament, um, I, I don't want to get too deep into this, and here's why. Um, people think that if I um, tell you your sins are forgiven, then they're forgiven because that's what Jesus said. But he, here's why I don't practice this in that way. It's because we don't have any record in the New Testament of any one of Jesus' followers ever actually doing this. They understood this to be something different. They understood this to mean a, a heralding of the message of Jesus that brings forgiveness of sins, that their mission and their sending was one to point the way to Jesus and in his power to help to, to see the Holy Spirit do the work in someone's life of bringing them to saving faith in Jesus. I think that's the best way for us to understand that the sharing of forgiveness is available. And that happens time and time and time again as these normal men and women become extraordinary ambassadors for the risen Jesus. So when we think about this day, Jesus is alive. He's turning fear into faith. He's inaugurating a new age. This is no small deal. In fact, this was such a big deal that the followers of Jesus decided to gather again seven days later on the first day of the week to celebrate the same resurrection. I don't think I have a slide for this, but I'll just read it to you because I'm right here in my Bible. Um, it, it, here, verse 26. A week later, the disciples were in the house again. Thomas now was with him. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. He, he, seven days later on the first day of the week, replays this entire thing just for the sake of Thomas. He shows up to Thomas. He says, put your fingers here, see my hands, reach your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. And Jesus says this thing, maybe you've heard this before, but I want to read it into our hearing. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. And then here's where we all come in. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. And that's you and me. The... Um, 
book of Acts records that 50 days later, this is um, seven Sundays later, the group of Jesus followers would be assembled together in an upper room in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit would come on them in power. They had chosen to gather again in remembrance of the first day of the week and, and the Spirit of God came to them. The presence of God with the purpose of God and the power of God all came to them in their gathering. Acts 20, uh, the, the Apostle Paul goes on journeys and he journeys to a church. It, it tells us that he stayed with them a week, but on the first day of the week, he gathered with the rest of the believers and he taught them concerning Jesus. When um, G Paul wrote to the Jesus followers in this church, the ancient city of Corinth, um, he told them that they should bring their tithes. These are like their monetary gifts. He says, bring them to the assembly on the, and he uses this phrase, the first day of the week, which presumes that they were in their habit of gathering. John's famous vision of heaven found in Revelation chapter 1 begins by saying, I was caught up on the Lord's day, the first day of the week. There is something special in the resurrection that marks the first day of the week that I want us to pay attention to. The early church writers for the first few centuries of the church make the case constantly for the gathering together on Sunday as a way to honor the weekly reminder of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It's a way to, to, to take what started as confusion to turn it always into a day of celebration. Because Jesus, pay attention, because Jesus really rose from the dead, he really gets to reorder our lives. We're not an amen church, but isn't that a really good like, thing to think about? Because, I'll say it again, because Jesus really rose from the dead, he really gets to reorder my life. And that's where we're going to go this month in this series called Kick the Habit. It's not kick the habit like you're going to stop chain smoking. No opinions or evidence or anything for you on that. But to kick off a habit, like, like runners at the beginning of a race, being ready to take the first step on a journey. Now is the time, just like those first disciples had a pivotal moment in their history where the resurrection of Jesus changed all of their habits, all their priorities, all the rhythms of their life. It changed the balance of what they did. I want us today to, to, to consider what are the habits in our life that would impact us in a way where we would invite God's presence, invite God's purpose, and invite God's power to us this year. And um, I don't get out of bed for diets. I don't get out of bed for exercise. I have one thing that gets me out of the bed in the morning every single day. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the resurrection that Jesus has actually changed my reality. And so today, you may be making a bunch of resolutions. You may be thinking about a lot of habits that you want to form. Those are all probably healthy and good, unless your habits are like, I'm going to smoke more cigarettes. <laughs> but there's a habit today that you're already doing that I just want to call out to your attention as a, as a pace-setting habit for the future. And it's simply this. We today are doing the thing that was changed that first Easter Sunday when Jesus appeared in the room, stood amongst his followers, and said, my peace I give to you. We are followers of Jesus gathering together on the day that celebrates his resurrection. Every Sunday. Every Sunday we gather together as we have for thousands of years because Jesus has the, re the right to reorder my life. I... Um, I want to encourage you today. That's my heart, is to encourage you. 
So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be in this series about habits that actually uh, ignite purpose and invite God's power into our lives. And I want to give you just a little commercial break for a second because next week I'm going to talk, I'm going to give it to you right here. We're going to talk about the, the power and the habit of prayer, okay? The habit and the power of prayer. It's a message I've been looking forward to teaching for a very long time. I really hope that you'll take the application of today, which is gathering together every week with God's people online, in the room. I don't care. Be here. But to pray together is a massive opportunity. Next week, we're going to kick off 21 days of prayer here at Heartland. Uh, we'll give way more information about what that looks like. But our team has put together some resources for you. You can go on our Instagram account or our Facebook and, and find out all these resources that we've put together. I'd love for you this, this week to go on Amazon, invest a little bit of money. Everything's between like $8 and $12. Um, and buy one of these prayer guides. I've, I've picked eight that are published that are not connected to Heartland that are just good prayer guides that I'd love for you to follow through with because they're habits that I want us to, to foster because they invite God's purpose and power in our lives. That's coming up next week. Today, today, the habit that you're already doing, the padded goal habit right here, is being with God's people on the first day of the week. Just like the first disciples, you've gathered together today to give Jesus the first part of your week. And I want to ask a couple questions about that before we move on to this last part of our service today. I, I want to just have you ask in your own mind, why did I come today? I mean, it's New Year's Day. Uh, you could have blamed a whole myriad of factors today for not showing up to church. Why did you come? Some of us were visiting family, and so, like, we've got to be here because your brother-in-law's the pastor. That's that rule. <laughs> uh, some, of, some of us, you know, this has been a lonely season. You just want to be around people. Some of us, um, you've got plans to go out afterwards with the people who you're showing up to here. Some of you might even be here on your first date. That happens all the time here. I love that. Um, I don't, why, why are you here? This story of resurrection power, the first day of the week, this priority that we find in the resurrection, it shapes for us, it shapes for us, it puts on the ground for us the way that we should come into this building for all the Sundays into the future. I'm going to give you four very basic reasons for us to gather together and why you should be here every single Sunday, whether it's in the room or online. Here's the first thing. Are you, are you ready? I got four. I'm going to do this fast. You ready? It's because Sunday is a day to remember the resurrection. This has always been what church has been all about. We don't come today because we like a person or a preacher or a singer. We don't come because we're obligated or because we have to or because it's societally appropriate. We come for one reason only, and it's because Jesus has risen from the dead. Um, eight days ago was Christmas Day, and we celebrated just the, the reality of the stealthy entrance of Jesus into the world. And um, we re remembered all of that last week. But um, we don't come on Sunday to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We celebrate the birth of Jesus the same way you celebrate your own birthday. One time a year. Right? Does anybody celebrate it more than that? 
No, that's Christmas Eve for us. We celebrate Christmas Eve, the birth of Jesus. What do we celebrate on Sunday? We celebrate the fact that Jesus died and he rose again from the dead week after week after week. We tell ourselves the story that, that Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus has risen from the dead because God loves us. We tell ourselves this story every single week. Why? Because we forget. I mean, try it today. Try it. Put a little note in your phone. Halftime today is going to be around like 1.15. Put a little reminder. Remind myself that Jesus is risen from the dead. You will be surprised that you've already forgotten at 1.15 that we have this conversation. Because we're prone. We're, we're just, it's me. I'm prone to forget. I'm prone to, to really prioritize things or think like this is the main thing and then go on with my life and be distracted by the cares of the world and the worries of my business and the, the, the problems of my family. We have to gather because we are forgetful people. We need, I'll say it this way, this is what I need. We need, I need the gospel of Jesus whispered into my heart and pounded into my head. Don't you? I mean, he tenderly speaks to me, but I'm so dense that I sometimes forget it. And that's what we do today. We remember the resurrection. So when you come to Heartland this, this year, any church, I hope, you come today and you sing songs that remind you that Jesus is risen. You hear scriptures that remind you that God has accomplished salvation. You hear stories of people's lives that share resurrection priorities and how Jesus has changed their lives. You meet other people who are on the same journey. Wherever they are, it doesn't matter, but they're on this journey because of the resurrection of Jesus. There is one name that we speak on a Sunday, and it's Jesus. You come so that you can remember every week that Jesus is alive. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, that Sunday isn't just a time to remember the resurrection. It's a time to remember our calling. To remember our calling. Jesus said he was sending the disciples as the Father had sent them. And when we gather weekly, we give God our first and our best. We also are taking time to check in on ourselves and to, to take a moment to remember that we're a people of peace and reconciliation. That we're the type of people who God tells us the world is supposed to be able to look at us and be reminded that he's alive, he's present, he's active. And that we are demonstrating and modeling for the world that forgiveness is possible. We gather together because if we don't remind ourselves that the mission of God is reconciliation, we will struggle to practice reconciliation. This is our calling. Jesus said, I send you out. If you forgive sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive sins, they're not forgiven. If, if the translation for today is, I'm sending you out. If you model my way of life, the world will see me and come to faith. But if, if you don't model my way of life, how will they come to faith? We have a mission. We have a calling. We are sent. Sent like Jesus to a scared world, a wandering world, a lost world. A world where um, it, it rubber meets the road every single day in our businesses and in our dealings and in our classrooms, as you sit down for a brand new year tomorrow at your company, 
you bring the mission of Jesus with you, that forgiveness and hope is alive. And we come on Sundays to remember our calling. Sunday is also a day where we invite God's power. We do this primarily through prayer. I'm going to talk all about this next week. Please don't miss it. But we invite God's power. I love that Jesus doesn't call us without empowering us, you know? Like he doesn't send us on this road in life without saying, I'm going to be with you and here's how you're going to get through this and here's how you're going to move forward. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you everything that you need for life and godliness. And so we come together and we, we humble ourselves and we, on a weekly basis, in the same space with other people who also need God's power, we, we together, we proclaim, we say, God, we need you. Would you come? We invite your power in our lives. Would you supernaturally speak to us and, and move through us and give us a power that is not common to us? I don't know about you, but I don't have what it takes for me to get what I need. I need God to give me his power. And so we come together time and time again. God moves in this assembly right here. The power of God is at work in so many different ways. And if you don't believe me, become a preacher. Because I say things that I think are linear and logical, and you hear things that are not linear and not logical. And in the midst of all of that is God at work changing your heart to love Jesus more fully and to follow him more deeply. How does that happen? It's not because Dan Jacobson's got great elocution. Amen. That's just off the top of my head, you know. Because God has great power. And where is God at work? God is at work in the gathering of his people. And so if we want a habit in our life that's going to invite purpose and power into our lives, you got to be around God's people. Finally, last thing. Um, all of these are my favorite, but I, I love this one tremendously. Um, we gather on Sunday because we're, we ourselves are an encouragement to one another. God, you know, God did not, regardless of what we've heard, save us to set us on this road in life to be by ourselves with him. This whole idea that you can hack your own spirituality. This idea that you can, you can be a follower of Jesus without being in community is found absolutely nowhere. I've read it. It's found nowhere in this book. It's not even found in the, in the books that we rejected as a part of this book. Like the Apocrypha doesn't even, it doesn't even say that. It says that, that we encourage one another on a weekly basis. Why? Because faith is a communal pursuit. You know, on a weekly basis, if I could just be candid with you, there are moments where I walk into this church, moments I've walked into church, I felt empty, felt um, stretched, I felt pressured, I felt just like, you know, squeezed maybe is the word. And I got coffee in the atrium where I, I met a, a friend on the way in. And they've come up to me and they say, Daniel, never believe what happened to me this week. And they tell me this God story. And all of a sudden I'm encouraged because I see God is at work in the life of my friend. There are other weeks where I've seen God at work in my life and I walk in here so full of faith and without fail, God superintends that my path crosses with the person who's like ready to give up on faith. 
And I tell him, like, oh, man, dude, you won't ever believe what God did in my life this week. Like, we just had this thing happen, or we just saw this, or this person followed Jesus. And my experience with Jesus that week has inspired their faith. This is the cross-pollination of faith that God has built into the fabric of his community. That as we all prioritize the resurrection of Jesus together, we see these glimpses of resurrection in our lives together and we, we bring them with one another and we share stories. We share faith. We, we share struggles. We share disappointments. We, we share the stuff of life where God meets us so poignantly in the midst of it all. And as we do, we are a letter written to each other that tells us how good God is that he's risen from the dead. I, I think this habit, showing up on Sunday, is one of the most pivotal habits that we can have. Not because it's required, not because we have a large building, we got to fill it up, but simply because Jesus is alive. And he reorders my life. If he's my God, if he's my Lord, if he's adopted me into a family, if he's given me rhythms to my life, I'm going to take full advantage to make sure that I remember the resurrection, I remember our calling, and invite God's power, encourage one another. I think in this, um, we'd have moments of experiencing God's power and find joy and mutual encouragements all around us. So um, that's our habit today. Congratulations, everybody. You've already done week one. really into positive affirmations, so there you go. Hey, let me say this. Maybe this is an old habit for you. My prayer is that you, you would find new power in it. Maybe this used to be an old habit for you, and, you know, 2020 hit, or you got a new job, and, and you're working Sundays, but you're off today, and so you're here, and this is amazing, but I don't want, I don't want to lay a burden upon you that you can't fulfill. This is not about the day. It's about prioritizing time. How this year could you take steps into this one habit that would totally revolutionize your life? My hope is that Sundays would inspire you to love and follow Jesus like never before. That's our hope as a leadership team, that every Sunday you walk in this year, we do it up because Jesus is our joy and Jesus is alive. Now, in the spirit of um, all of this, here's how we're going to conclude today. And introverts, forgive me. One of the greatest ways to, one of the greatest ways, that people are moving purposefully right now. I've got them doing something, okay? Don't, they're not the introverts. They're the extroverts. <laughs> Did not think that through. One of the greatest ways for us to remember the resurrection, one of the greatest ways for us to practice this, our calling and to invite God's power and to um, encourage one another is, is actually something that Jesus gave to us the night before he was betrayed. It's what the church has called over centuries the communion table or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. Whatever church you grew up in or, or, or have tried out, maybe that's what they call it. We, we just call it communion. You know, what's funny about communion is you can't have communion without community. God has brought us together to take this meal together to remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the presence of other Jesus followers. If there's 
one mega reason to come to church. It's because you, you need others in your life to be able to partake of the Lord's Supper.